Hello and welcome to episode 3 of series 4 of the Stress Sessions. I'm Luke and this week I'm chatting to a very special guest who is Millie Gooch of the Sober Girl Society. And Millie is a really special guest for me because I recently went permanently sober. I've tried it in the past, I've tried it for about six months previously when I've been training for a marathon about four years ago and I decided to do that because I basically wanted to get the best marathon time that I possibly could so I ditched the booze for about six months and it did really help it really helped at the time but then I went back onto it and this time I've given it up for slightly different reasons because I basically can't deal with my alcohol anymore and it's got to that point now where my mental health gets really badly affected every time that I drink or most times that I drink because I end up pushing it too much I end up drinking too much and so I've decided to give it up permanently and I'm about three months in at the moment so to speak to Millie who is a massive massive inspiration to me personally because she set up Sober Girl Society and has helped out thousands and thousands of people about 170,000 people follow at Sober Girl Society on Instagram and yeah it was great to chat to her because she gave me some really helpful tips about sobriety some really good alcohol or non-alcoholic drink choices and it was great to chat to her but yeah more of that in a minute but just a little bit on my week I've had a really really good week this week because it's been well, it's been quite quiet to be honest because I've been able to go to the gym quite a lot. I've been on a few different runs. But one thing has just happened this evening. We, we've we just gone to cook dinner and we've literally finished cooking and the top of the pan exploded over the dinner. So shards of glass went into the dinner and just ruined the whole dinner that I'd been cooking for half an hour. So yeah, great. That's just happened. So before I tell you about that one but other than that it's been a great week and yeah nothing else to report on so without further ado here is series four episode three of the stress sessions with Millie Gooch. Welcome to the stress sessions Millie Gooch how are you doing? I'm good thank you thank you so much for having me. That's okay thanks for coming on and I've read a lot about your journey but if you can tell me like a little bit about yourself and what you do that'd be great. Yeah, of course. So I am the founder of Sober Girl Society, which is the largest community on Instagram for sober and sober curious women, um, which is something that I started, I'd say about three and a half years ago now. Um, And I'm also the author of the Sober Girl Society handbook. So that's kind of my background. (laughs) And the first question I'm going to ask you, which is one that I ask all of my podcast guests is what is one song that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? So I love like all 80s music, but the one that always gets me is like Loco in Acapulco. Whenever I hear it, I just, oh, I don't know why. It's just a, a gem of a song. That and Club Tropicana, I think. Don't know why, those two. I, I love both of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll really play them choice. after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I asked you onto the podcast because I've read a lot about you and um, what you've done is amazing. And it, it must have been really tough to begin with because when you first become sober it's a bit of an uphill struggle I think so how did Sober Girl Society all begin and what kind of made you get started with it? Yeah so I stopped drinking when I was 26 Um, my drinking habits were kind of 
well they started at university I I always say like I, th- I think if I hadn't gone to university I'm not sure I would have started drinking as much as I did so my habits are very binge blackout drinking all or nothing um and I kind of uh, they steadily got worse as I got older whereas a lot of my friends calmed down after uni I, I kind of started ramping up so I worked in media I worked in PR and then I worked in journalism very booze heavy industries and I really started to notice the effect that alcohol was having on my mental health so I used to go out I would drink to excess blackout and then wake up the next morning and I would have the most intense beer fear like out of everyone I've ever known I've always reacted the worst on a hangover you know like what did I say what did I do do my friends hate me and you know I couldn't remember large portions of my night so that was really kind of adding to the anxiety but also I just got in this real cycle of like really low mood feeling like really ashamed and embarrassed after like a drinking session and then just going like straight back to it like almost like a goldfish and I got really trapped in this like drink hangover drink hangover kind of cycle and and didn't really know how to get out of it and also because of that I think there was a lot of underlying mental health conditions that I didn't really acknowledge because I would just drink instead um and then it it got to a point where I just realized I like I'm so miserable I'm spending all my weekends either drunk or hungover this isn't the life I want I'm like not doing anything with my life I'm so unproductive I'm so lethargic I feel physically sick all the time um and so I woke up one day on a hangover uh, I'd been out and it was just I said I can't do it anymore and I'd said it many times before I'm never drinking again so it wasn't like I just woke up had this like light bulb moment it was almost like I just hit that low point and I'd like where I just said something absolutely has to change so I looked around on the internet and thought we well, you know like I'm maybe not your stereotypical person that you think of with a drinking problem. And I know a lot about AA now, but at the time I didn't really know anything about AA, just kind of what was depicted in the media. So I thought, you know, I'm going to turn up, it's going to be 50, 60 year old men. And I'm going to say, oh, actually, you know, like I can go a few days without drinking, but actually when I do drink, I can't stop. And I'm a bit of a party girl. I thought they'd just laugh me out and say, you know, like come back when you've kind of lost your job and you're drinking vodka in the morning. So I didn't I didn't want to go to AA. And and like I said, I know a lot more about it now and I know that the program has helped a lot of people, but it didn't feel like a fit for me. But I just couldn't really find anything else. And I kind of like white knuckled it, as they say, for like the first six months. So mm. kind of read, read quickly. I read uh, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober and loads of other books, listen to podcasts. But I just thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if there was like, a place for people like me um, and kept looking just couldn't find anything and I followed loads of communities at the time that had kind of like a shared interest and um, I followed like mental health mates that kind of did you know community stuff around mental health and I followed like anti-diet riot club that was kind of talking about body positivity and I thought well, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a community for young women who actually want to talk about like not drinking or being sober or being sober curious and we can chat about like non-alcoholic wine and we can swap advice on how you go on a date sober so I just thought well I know how to use Instagram I'll just give it a go and maybe there'll be like 10 15 of us um and now it's like nearly 170,000 people later and it's just kind of snowballed and I was like I only started it because I thought we could all just like 10 of us could meet up and have a little chat and it has just gone beyond anything that I ever thought it would and it's amazing because you like you said you're helping out hundreds of thousands of people that wouldn't have had that help had you not started that group up so yeah well done that is amazing Oh, thank you. When I came across you, I was like, 
I, I I hadn't heard of anything like that. And when I came across your group, I was like, that's so cool, like amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> when so when when you started the group and you said you just wanted to start up with maybe like 10 people or whatever, what was the initial reaction of like your family and like your friends who would you, who you'd usually go out drinking with? Yeah, so I I didn't start Sober Girl Society until I, I think I was about six or seven months. So when I first stopped drinking, I always say the reactions of my friends were a bit ambivalent. So I think I'd said so many times, oh, I'm never drinking again, that I don't think it's that they weren't supportive. I just think they didn't believe me. So when I said I'm not drinking, they went, oh, yeah, all right, whatever. Uh, and, you know, like a few of them said, oh, you're going to be boring. You won't last and the, the usual. And then I got like six months in and I remember one of my friends, we were going on holiday to see our other friend on, in Canada. And she said, oh, but you're going to drink on holiday, aren't you? And I said, no, like, I'm not going to. This is a forever thing. And I, I remember the look on her face where it kind of dawned on her that like actually I was serious about this. And it was actually after I got back from that holiday that I decided to start it. And I think by that point, they'd seen... I was so happy it made such a positive change in my life in just quite a short space of time that they were really supportive of me doing this so like I remember them helping me come up with a name for it and talking about what kind of things I could do on it so they were actually really supportive but I always say I think we've got this kind of like culture of you know really cutting people off if they're not immediately cheerleading your decision mm. but I think with alcohol it's so ingrained in our society I think it is really hard for people to just have their immediate reaction as like yeah that's amazing like we always say oh you know alcohol is the only drug that you have to justify not taking like and it's true really so when I when I told people they weren't the most supportive and and that but now they really are because they've seen the change in me but I think just because of our culture I think not everyone is going to be immediately like oh my god that's amazing that's the best thing you've ever decided to do and that that can be really hard because you can feel quite isolated and that was kind of like another reason why I wanted to start it. And I think when people start or stop drinking, rather, I was going to say start not drinking, <laughs> it it kind of sticks out quite a lot, I think. So like before I stopped drinking, there's so there's one of my friends who it, it, it stands out for me because it's during the World Cup last year. We were going to we went basically for every game England played. We went to the casino. We watched the match on the big screen. We'd get beers delivered to the table. And he was the only one that didn't drink. And he was drinking Coke the whole time. And I was like, why is he not drinking? Like, I'd, I'd, I'd never, I've never have questioned why he wasn't drinking. I've never said it to his face, but I always thought that's a bit weird. Why is he not drinking? Um, and now I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> because, yeah. because it makes you feel like shit the next day. It drastically affects your mental health. It's, it kind of like sort of opens your eyes a little bit, doesn't it? In terms of like how much more productive and how much better as a human being you can be when you, don't drink alcohol yeah and the thing is it's it's really absurd because if you say to someone oh like why aren't you smoking like you just wouldn't because it's obvious like oh it has negative health impacts like that's why but there has to be a reason in people's heads why you're not drinking it can't be I just don't want to like know what is the reason like especially as a woman you constantly get you know are you pregnant are you trying like it's just like another added layer but it's it is so socially acceptable that there there has to be almost a reason. And I think that's one of the big things that I would like to change really is not to convert everyone in the world to sobriety, but if someone does say, oh, I'm not drinking that, it's okay, cool. And there's no like follow-up questions almost. Yeah, because I, I 
I went to the pub, it's literally about two weeks ago, I think, with with my brother-in-law, father-in-law and my father-in-law's brother. And I was drinking a um, non-alcoholic brew dog and nobody questioned. So basically I, I stopped drinking over just before Christmas and it was because I blacked out on a night out, which I've done a few times previously. I was in Leighton Buzzard, so it was, I don't know, like 20 minute drive away. I was going to get a train home and I basically left my friends. I was calling my wife up to pick me up saying, come pick me up. She's asked me where I was. I didn't know where I was. She didn't know where I was. And she had to basically drive 20 minutes, pick me up, searching late and buzzard at one o'clock in the morning to, to basically scoop, scoop me up from a doorway, <laughs> basically. <Yeah. laughs> um, and, and that, and that's why I gave up drinking because I don't want to be in that situation anymore. I don't want to be the the person that's in that state. It, it, and, you, and you think about, I think about it now and it, I'm only three months in at the minute and I'm just like, that's actually disgusting. Yeah. It's, but, it's, hor- it's horrible. And it's so normalised though. And the next day that'd be funny. And I, I think we've got this thing, like, especially in Britain, we've got this like humour the next day. And, and it's really hard because I think I've got a really good sense of humour, but I really struggle to find this funny now. Like the next day, you know, all my friends would laugh at me. And really inside, like the reason I was blacking out is because I was drinking so much because I like didn't want to be in my own head. Like it's actually really sad. But the next day we would like all have a good laugh about it. Or like, oh, Millie was pissed again. Like, and it would just like it would all be a big joke. And I would laugh along with it because I'm quite self-deprecating. I think as like a culture we are, but really inside I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed about my behavior like I don't want I don't want to be that friend that is like the butt of everyone's jokes about how drunk they get basically it was a bit of a make or break situation with my wife because she's had to basically save me from those situations I I say save because it is literally saving me from doing something really stupid um yeah (laughs) and it's just a bit like I don't want to be in that situation one because my wife shouldn't have to part with that and two I shouldn't have to part with that either and yeah I think when I said about I gave up alcohol last time round, I did that because I said to my wife I'm going to give up alcohol I didn't do it for me and I think yeah. to fully invest in something like that you have to believe yourself that you're going to do that thing for you not for anybody else otherwise it doesn't work I don't think yeah absolutely I think and there is that kind of saying you know like you can't help someone until they're ready and I do think there is kind of a a bit of truth to that in that you you have to do it for you really people had said to me for years especially my mum she was always worried and it it never like no matter how concerned she was I, I just didn't listen and it was only when I got to a point where I was like no I have to do this for me that I was able to make that change And my new thing is to find out about all of the non-alcoholic like alcohols. And there's so many now. Like that, I remember when I gave up last time for that eight month period, it was literally just Bex Blue. And that's all you could have. And then like four years on, how much of a variety is there? Yeah, it's funny, actually, because I stopped drinking four years ago and I always say all there was was Bex Blue. It was like Bex Blue. And I think they yeah. like just launched Seedlip and like that was it. And now I reckon I get an email probably two or three times a week of a new brand that is launching. Like it is just booming. It's it, there's now too much, if anything, I think. Which is good because there's more to pick from then. But I, exactly. I, I just remember like so when when I was 
I'd given up alcohol last time and it was like oh Bex Blue and it just tasted so shit it was so horrible so rank one of my friends Scott he's got like an actual vendetta against Bex Blue if we go somewhere and they're like he says oh have you got any non-alcoholic beer they go oh yeah we've got Bex Blue and he's like oh Bex Blue (laughs) it's like I'd rather just drink tap water than that yeah yeah. it's so bad not getting a Bex Blue sponsorship I don't think (laughs) no definitely not but have have you found like over the years that I, we were sort of like talking over email about the first initial couple of months are really, really difficult when you give up alcohol. Did you find that difficult because you were so, sort of so invested in it and then you sort of brought together this group and then you brought out your book and went on the journey? Did you find it hard to begin with? Yeah, definitely. I think there's so many kind of elements to it things that I found really hard I think one was learning how to like regulate emotions without alcohol because for me it was like a default of you know if I'm stressed if I'm heartbroken if I've had a bad week every time I would have like heightened emotions and sometimes even if they were like good emotions like if I was excited I'd be like oh I want to have a drink like just learning how to deal with emotions for the first time in my life I I always say people think that not drinking is like a magic mental health wand and it's not because actually it's it's kind of like peeling a layer off because you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm taking away this big coping mechanism that I'm using. What is it that I was using it for? I think quite often drinking is never like the kind of problem. It's what, what you're drinking to cope with. So when I peeled that away, I was like, oh, I've actually got a lot of anxiety. I'm not very confident on a night out. And I think... Um, a lot was kind of insecurity and, and a lot of things I had to tackle so that I think is the hardest thing of like once you've peeled back that layer and it's it's almost like a safety blanket you really have to kind of learn everything again really and I always say like with confidence I was so used to using this like basically a magic potion to get my confidence so I would drink it you know it would make me feel confident and then afterwards it would wear off and I would go back to being not confident whereas now I think I'm so much more confident because every time I go out I have to really build that like confidence within me I can't rely on alcohol for it I have to build it so I think those are the things that are really hard in the beginning and you always think it's going to feel like that because the first night out is awkward your first sober date is awkward like everything is quite hard and people want like magic solutions they always say to me oh like what are your best tips for like doing a sober night out and I'm kind of like it is practice like you just have to keep mm. doing it and learn for yourself what what works for you I, I do obviously have some like practical tools that I think help but but on the whole it's like a case of just going like throwing yourself in the deep end pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and growing from that so I think I think that's the hardest thing I think the second hardest is probably peer pressure because it is relentless at the beginning I think like now I barely get anyone peer pressuring me because all my friends know, all my family know. I rarely meet that many new people. And if I do, they they don't really, I don't think, tend to peer pressure. It's normally people you know. So once once you get really far into your journey, people just, they're like, oh, do you know what? It's been four years now. I can't be bothered to push her on this. <laughs> like They just leave it. But I think at the start of the first few months is when, that's when you kind of need the most support, but actually that's when you get the most the most pressure. So I would I'd say that's really hard as well. So it is, it is really hard. And I'm I'm not going to be like, oh, it's so easy. But alongside it being hard, I also found my anxiety had decreased immediately. I felt like I was making more of my weekends. I felt a bit happier. 
so like that kind of spurred me on and and uh, I would try and really keep that at the forefront when I was being peer pressured and I also kind of just like did nice things and fun things and things that helped me relax and also went to therapy I feel like that is also key <laughs> yeah definitely and I think that so what my my things to sort of cope with I wouldn't say cope with because I'm I, in my head I'm like no I'm not drinking alcohol again but I'm excess, not excessively drinking, but I'm drinking a lot of non-alcoholic drinks. I'm literally trying out everything at the minute. So I, every time I go to the shops, I'm like, right, I'm going to try this different beer out or different wine out or whatever. And my other one was just to put out on social media. So I literally put my New Year's resolution is to never drink again. I'm not ever consuming alcohol again. And it's that it's then out there so that people know that you don't have to have that awkward conversation of, to your friends of going oh I'm not drinking anymore and then there's a question of oh why are you not drinking anymore and it's like because I was blacked out in a doorway in another <laughs> in another yeah. town that I don't really know and that's always <laughs> a difficult conversation but I think that the more you're kind of upfront and honest about it of, of your reasons of why you're doing it I think people are okay with that whereas the old me a couple of years ago would have kind of been a bit like uh, I, I'm just giving up for a little while I'll I'll be drinking again soon so yeah. it's yeah I think it's kind of like an age thing as well because I'm in my 30s now and I think it's probably more socially acceptable not to drink whereas when you're yeah. in, in your 20s like you are or, or were I was was yeah I've yeah. creeped out of it now <laughs> <laughs> it's a little it, it's a little bit more difficult isn't it because you yeah. are going out and socializing more you're going on dates you're going on nights out with your friends it you, you're more socially active whereas I think when you're in your 30s it's a bit like you've got your job to do you've got a career to think about you you've some some people got their own home so you've got kind of more responsibility whereas when you're in your 20s it's like oh let's just go out and get drunk so I think it's an age thing as well yeah I do but then I also think it goes back down again because I think around like our age I think especially me I've got a lot of friends who are pregnant so for once like I'm really mm. never the only non-drinker but then I think there's this whole like mummy wine culture as well so I think then when you kind of get to the end of your 30s and the start of your 40s I think the pressure goes back on again I think it it comes like in waves I think at different periods yeah I see that because I I kind of think of my dad and he drank a lot for a period of time and he won't want me saying this because he he knows he did and until about probably about four years ago he stopped drinking so much yeah and then for a period he stopped drinking completely and I was like hmm what's happened with him and I, I thought it was really strange and it's kind of like before I'd stopped drinking the first time around I was like why is he doing this and it is yeah. it's like it's a it's a health thing and he was yeah. a bit like I'm getting older he's in his 60s now and he must have just thought I've had enough of this I've had enough of feeling like this so I'm gonna change yeah. and, he, and he did so it's I yeah it, does, it is a kind of like peaks and trough thing when it comes to age for drinking I think yeah for sure going back to when you kind of first became sober was there like and like Feel free not to answer it because it's quite a personal question. But no, was there, I'll answer anything. <laughs> was there a, like a particular situation that happened where you were like, "I can't do this anymore"? Because I guess that I've, I've said my situation and like that was like opened my eyes to how 
shit I was being as a human being and a husband as well. Um, was Did you have that sort of epiphany? Yeah, I mean, I actually had several, but I think there was one oh, okay. that was really bad. I'd been out, so I'd been out in London with my friends on a, a Christmas jaunt that we used to call Tequila Tuesday. It's an annual thing. We still do it, and I still refer to it as Tequila Tuesday. I'm like, oh, we're doing Tequila Tuesday this year, even though I don't drink. Um, and my, I was so drunk. I, I remember there was there was a bench. I went to sit on a bench, and literally, I just totally missed the bench, like fell on my ass. And then my friends put me in a taxi, and I, I don't really remember any of this. And I got home, and again, I just woke up, and I woke up in the morning. And I thought, oh my god, I do not remember getting home. So I would have had to get. I was in Covent Garden. I would have had to get uh, an Uber to King's Cross and then a train home and then I would have had to get home from that station and I do not remember one point of that journey so I looked on my Uber and it's and in this meantime I was having these weird flashbacks and I wasn't sure if it was a dream or a memory and I just remember being on a street corner and I just remember it being like an NCP car park I could just see the sign so I, I was looking in my Uber and it said oh your your journey was cancelled halfway through like while I was in the Uber and it 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 said the address and I google mapped the address and it was like an NCP car park so I just remember being like I don't know so I don't know whether the taxi kicked me out I do remember being sick because I was sick on my dress um I don't know if the taxi kicked me out and if it did I don't know how I got from there to the train station I don't know if I just got in some random person's car like and which I'd done before as well which is very scary and I just didn't remember getting home and for me that was like and I'd made it home safely and I was absolutely fine but I just thought the fact that I cannot remember a single thing try as I might is so terrifying and so scary Mm. and anything could have happened to me anyone could have put me in their taxi anyone like and that for me was like a real, I mean, I didn't stop drinking until like six months later, but still I was like, that for me was such a shock. And I just remember feeling so awful the next day of just like, why have I done this? Like I'm really putting myself in danger, like something bad is going to happen to me. And and that was, I think, causing me a lot of stress. So that that was, I think, a big one for me because that was a point where I was like, do you know what, like, this this is actually really dangerous but I'd I'd had many other stupid ones embarrassing ones angry ones but that was just one that really stood out to me of like actually this is getting quite serious from a mental health perspective that situation I would be like when I've sort of blacked out or been on a night out and not remembered what I've done the next day I'm just it's so horrible and your head just goes your brain goes into overdrive because you're like what did I do? What did I say to people? Like, how did I get home? And it's a bit like, shit, this is like, you're a completely different person. You're not, you're not you, are you? You just like fueled by alcohol and you're, you turn into a bit of like a monster, didn't you, I guess? Yeah. And I think the scary thing is as well, a lot of people don't understand blackouts or don't know any of the science behind blackout. And so like, I would be racking my brain the next day to try and remember what happened. But actually the science of a blackout is that it's not that you can't remember, it's that alcohol affects the part of your brain that basically moves short-term memories to long-term memories. So you actually don't make those memories. So it's not that you've forgotten them, it's that your brain never let you 
keep them in the first place so you you will not remember try as you might so there's like two types of blackout you've got like fragmentary which is like you'll remember little bits but like a lot of it will be hazy or there's on block which i used to get which is like good few hours just like white and try as you might you will not get those back because those memories were just not made and i i remember one of the things i did when i first stopped drinking was really look into the science of blackouts and i i fully recommend it it's not for the faint-hearted but i read some awful stories of like people who had done these ridiculous things in blackouts horrifying things and didn't remember and just woke up the next day and were like just going on with their lives but like all these things had happened in a blackout because and we just act in the the strangest ways when we're blacking out but to a lot of people they can't even tell that we that we're in a blackout because you can act quite normally so for me that was like a, a really big thing and I, I think like you you're right the way it can affect your mental health I had like no trust in myself because I used to go out and be like oh I'm only gonna drink two tonight and then next thing you know I wake up and I can't remember anything and you you feel like so deflated you lose self-esteem and all the embarrassing things that people told me I did I I really thought I had like a faulty moral compass as well because I was like these things that I'm doing when I'm drunk I would never do when I'm sober and then I would like have this kind of like inner moralistic battle the next day of like am I a terrible person (laughs) like but actually the way that alcohol affects our brain is it makes us really more primal so it makes us want to eat more it makes us want to shag more it makes us want to fight more and like all those things it just takes us back to basics but like there was me thinking oh god like I'm a really horrible person because I'm doing all this stuff I'm like in a relationship and I'm flirting and yeah it just made me feel awful and I had no respect for myself really yeah I, I get that as well because it's like I used to set myself so when I used to go out I I, I spoke to my wife about this loads of times but it's like I I have I have my four four beer limit so I can have four pints once I've gone past that four pints I'm I'm pissed I'm I'm gone basically um and when I go past that I'm just like I'm I'm not I'm not the same person I'm I don't really care about anybody I don't give a shit about what I say I'll yeah. do stuff that is isn't within my character and it's just a bit like uh, and and I've been like that so many times and you kind of look back and you think why didn't I change before now like why didn't I do this sooner yeah. and it's just because it's like going back to what you said earlier it's a coping mechanism in terms of I have really bad social anxiety and it's the whole thing of having like it's like Dutch courage isn't it of having like yeah. a glass of alcohol like a pint of beer a glass of wine just to give you that bit of courage to speak to even speaking to your friends because I'm yeah it sounds stupid but I'm crap if there's more than like a group of four people so if there's like five five six or more people sitting around the table I don't really speak because I'm a bit like oh, I'm gonna say something stupid I'm gonna act like a dick um and that it's 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 bullshit because nobody cares but I used to drink because I thought I'd save save myself from those social situations of looking like an idiot. Whereas looking back at it, I would have looked more of an idiot by getting drunk. Yeah. Than had I not. So it's, yeah, it, it swings in roundabouts. But that was kind of my reason for drinking probably more than what I should have done in social situations, just to have more confidence. Yeah. And I think that's probably more common with men as well because I think so much bonding revolves around the pub I think girls are more used to you know like going for coffee with their friends and things like that whereas I think for men the only time they really do have kind of conversations like that is is the pub so I think that's really tricky but I think with your like limit as well that it is 
really impossible to keep limits because literally again the way that alcohol affects our brain is it affects the the part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex which is involved in like decision making weighing up right or wrong kind of like willpower so even if you said like i'm absolutely absolutely only having four drinks four drink you is a very different person to zero drink you and that like zero drink you will weigh up the benefits and go no no i'm going to stick at four because otherwise you know my wife will be annoyed i'll feel like shit but four drink you doesn't have the ability to do that they just go this is a great idea so it's so impossible to set yourself limits and actually stick to them unless you've got someone and you say to them that after four pints do not let me have another one it's so hard to actually stick to something because of the way that alcohol affects your brain How has your mental health improved since you stopped drinking and how has it kind of improved? So I guess it'll improve gradually over the four years that you've stopped drinking. As, have you seen like a small change at the beginning and is it, has it got better? Or Yeah, I think it goes in peaks and troughs. I think originally I had like the initial alleviation of anxiety because I was like making the most of my weekends. I wasn't hungover and, and even just how alcohol has affects us as a chemical in terms of like anxiety. Then I kind of realized actually, you know, I'd peeled away that layer. I had a lot to deal with, went to therapy, kind of dealt with that. And then it has kind of been on the up, but it still, it still dips every now and again, like I'm a human being. But I, I think the one thing that I always say with sobriety is it just makes things more manageable when I was hung over and in that like beer fear anxiety state my mind would just run away with me and there would be no grasping it back it was just like off that's it whereas now I feel like I'm able to manage it more so if I am anxious or if I am depressed I can say like right today you need to get out of bed you need to like at least go and get out in the sunshine you can do this like I find everything more manageable and I also don't have this like layer of guilt I don't have this layer of shame I just don't have this like added mountain of crap to add to my kind of like existing mental health issues and I do feel like I'm more confident because I've really like had to push myself out of my comfort zone I've had to speak to new people I've had to go on sober dates I've had to like work with new colleagues and and tell them about the fact that I don't drink so I do think it has really built in like a confidence but I always do stress that it's not like a mental health wand it's not like you stop drinking you're going to be forever cured of anxiety or depression or any other mental health condition but I just think it makes life more manageable it's like I always say you know you're a great British Bake Off fan uh, yeah I, I do watch it sometimes yeah 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 so like if you were trying to like make a cake and you were doing it all by hand and like it would just take you forever it's like harder more stressful whereas being sober for me is like having one of those like cool Kenwood like stand mixers the whizzy ones that just make everything run a bit smoother like either way you've still got to make the cake but just this way it just feels a lot quicker there's not as much like effort involved I just feel like it's a lot more sort of like calm I think yeah because from from a mental health perspective I don't think I wouldn't say mine's improved yet but it is still the early stages and I think that until you put the other kind of bits and pieces in place to improve your mental health, it won't improve. And I think yeah. I'm still like sort of, I, I, I haven't had that somebody going, I'll oh, come on a night out, blah, blah, blah. And the people, the times that I've gone out, I've told people oh, I'm not drinking. So for instance, I went to um, a football match last weekend with, with my mate. I, he knew that I wasn't drinking and he was like, oh, let's, let's like go and get some food before. Didn't even mention going to the pub. 
because he, he knew that I wouldn't want to go to the pub. And it's like, it's like people do kind of respect it once you've been upfront about it. But have you kind of found that by becoming sober, some of your friends have followed suit or your family have followed suit in terms of they don't drink as much or they don't feel, not feeling guilty around drinking around you because I, I literally don't care about that at all. Um, but have you seen people around you change their ways a little bit more since you've become sober? Yeah, I think people thought that I was going to be weird about them drinking around me. So people would be like, oh, sorry, like, don't mind me. And I'm like, honestly, like, you do you, it's fine. Like, it's not, it's not a thing. But I think naturally, they have become more, I would at least say sober curious. I've not managed to convert many people to like full time sobriety yet. But I, again, bring like loads of non-alcoholic options. If I'm going to a party, I will always bring like non-alcoholic fears or something like that. And people go, oh, what's that? Can I try that? And then like three weeks later, they'll text me and go, oh, I've just bought a bottle of that non-alcoholic fizz that you had. So I think that's one way that they've kind of followed suit. But also I made a really conscious effort to suggest activities that weren't like the pub. And I think it's really easy because like the pub and bars are like really default easy places to meet so you'll be like oh we'll just meet at the pub at this time so it does take a bit more organization but I'd be like oh why don't we go bowling or you know why don't we go whitewater rafting or let's go trampolining and I started suggesting all these things and they'd be like yeah great let's do it I think because they didn't have to organize it they were just really up for doing new things so I think we by by that kind of logic as well we've done a lot more things that aren't you know just in bottomless brunches and pubs and bars and things like that so I think we have a lot more fun that way and they've kind of learned actually they can have a good time without alcohol as well so I don't think any of them will ever go completely sober but a lot of them are I would say very sober curious we don't really go out to to clubs that much anymore but again like that might be an age thing yeah maybe because I, I so I'm going to gig with one of my friends in April April or May I don't know I've lost track of time of when stuff is <laughs> but um because everything's been postponed for like two years so it's like when when am I doing this gig or yeah. whatever um it's a gig from two years ago basically that's been postponed yeah. like three times but um I'm going with my friends who I used to work with and she was like oh yeah like this was a couple of months ago oh yeah we can do a bottomless brunch we can go to Birmingham like take half a day off work and then just go there and just have a nice day out and then she was like oh like when when I said I wasn't drinking anymore she's a bit like oh so we won't do the bottomless brunch then but we could do this and she and it's quite good because because like she's one of my good friends she was like thinking of me in terms of oh we could do this instead oh let, let's have a look at what else we can find to do during the day and I was like oh that's, that's so nice because you wouldn't get that all the time um, but right. again I think that's a male female thing so I think if it was one of my guy mates they'd be like oh Oh, what what are we going to do now then blah, 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 like and yeah. make a big deal out of it um I think it's a it's a gender thing because yeah. not everybody would be like that yeah and it's it's funny because people always say to me oh why did you start sober girls society and not like a wider thing and I think there are very specific challenges for men and women when it comes to barriers to sobriety I think mm. that it is a different ballgame and I didn't really feel like it was my place to talk about that and there is kind of like this school of thought that women um, drink a lot more for the emotional side of it whereas men drink a lot more for the social side of it and I do think women are 
these days more accepting of people not drinking especially again because I think they're used to people taking time off when they're having a baby or they're trying for a baby so there are periods in women's lives where they're not drinking so it is more acceptable but for men there's like no off period of when they wouldn't be drinking so I think it's it's even more culturally expected almost so it's I think there are very specific challenges and it is it's true as well like you know what else do a group of men do if they're, they're probably not going to go for brunch they're probably like you know not going to go for coffee so it's it's trying to find like spaces and things that they can do that don't revolve around alcohol but kind of they still want to do together yeah there's a gap in market for that though which is good yeah <laughs> but it's yeah. like yeah but you, you mentioned like people having babies and stuff and I've noticed on your social media you put up, put up a reel recently about people asking you oh, are you pregnant how how do you deal with questions like that because it's rude it's really rude yeah. isn't it it's so funny because uh, I don't know I always joke about it but it does happen to me all the time I was at like a, a Turkish restaurant the other week and I ordered a mocktail and, and the guy came over and as he gave me the mocktail he said congratulations and the guy I was with said oh is he congratulating you because you're a non-drinker and I was like no I said it's congratulate me because he said you're pregnant. I just thought, honestly, and I laughed. I think I'm so able to laugh about it now. But for some people, I think it can be so triggering because some people could have been through like a really rough time with like trying to conceive or, you know, miscarriage and things like that. So it could be a really triggering question for some people because, you know, they do say that actually alcohol can like decrease your chances of conceiving and things like that. So a lot of people do cut down or quit drinking when they are trying to have a baby. And if they're struggling and someone comes over and says, are you pregnant? Like, obviously, that's going to be really triggering for them. So I, I don't know why anyone still thinks in this day and age that it's OK to suggest that. But, but people do it. But I, I'm really able to laugh it off. But I think if you ask if you ask the wrong person, I think that's it's really bad so I would say the blanket rule is just don't ask if you're not sure don't ask and do you know what's funny as well is that I so I like I keep bringing up instances of stuff that I've done but like I went to Top Golf with so it's me and my wife and then one of my mates from uni and her husband and they both ordered non-alcoholic drinks so they had I can't remember what they had I think they just had coke but we were like we had like a beer and then my wife had a gin and tonic a world of food and they were drinking coke and I was like is is she pregnant yeah. and, I, and I didn't ask it then um and then and then they all did alcohol later on yeah but it's 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 funny the way that people kind of think like that because if a, a, a woman isn't drinking then they're automatically pregnant and then yeah uh, so so what I sort of said the, the last time we met up but like a couple of weeks ago we we sort of said Oh yeah, when you didn't drink the other time we met up, we, we thought you we were pregnant. And yeah. then she was like, No. <laughs> like it's no. funny. And it is so ingrained in us as well that obviously I would never ask, but I still think it like if someone's not drinking and I'm used to them drinking, I think, oh, they might be pregnant. Then I'm like, no, Millie, you can't think like that. Like you have all people. But that's how ingrained it is in us that it's such one of the only reasons why people might consider not drinking. Yeah, it's cra- it is crazy because it's, I mean, I, I did it and then I stopped drinking. So I c- I've got that excuse, but it's yeah. it's still, it's still really offensive, I think, because it's a bit like, yeah. it's just not a, it's not a done question to ask, is it? No, no, not at all. 
if somebody was thinking about becoming sober and they're sober curious and they were so like me they were they'd stopped drinking for like a couple of weeks and they were quite serious about doing it what kind of would you say are the key benefits of becoming sober and how would they it sounds ridiculous saying cope because it's but it is coping isn't it because it's taking stuff in a way that you would have had for a long time so how would you say would be best to cope during that situation yeah so the main benefits are (laughs) sounds like I'm trying to indoctrinate people into my cult but like there are no (laughs) I don't think like no no parts of my life that haven't been positively affected by not drinking whether that is friendships physical health mental health finances productivity energy levels like there is just so much I think it touches every area of your life and you just don't even realize it until you stop so I think if if there's an area that you're facing a challenge in I think have a look is alcohol affecting it and and most likely an answer might be yes um so in terms of benefits I just think they're endless in terms of coping so there's a really good um quote by Professor David Nutt who used to be our chief government drugs advisor and he always says that most people drink to relieve relieve pain and increase pleasure might be the other way around so for me they were like the two things for like almost working out how to cope is increasing pleasure and decreasing pain the like with my own way so okay what's going to decrease pain okay so for me it's you know like meditation it's taking baths it's getting out for walks all those things that I know help my mental health and then how do I increase pleasure without alcohol okay I'm going to reconnect with things that I love doing before you know drinking was the default for happiness I'm going to take up new hobbies I'm going to buy that guitar that I've always wanted like how do you increase pleasure and how do you decrease pain I think they are the two biggest keys to unlocking the secret to not drinking but I also think community is very key because I think even if all your friends are really supportive they don't necessarily get it I always say it's like being if you're the only single one and all your friends are married they can be really supportive but actually sometimes their comments don't really come across as helpful they come across as a bit smug Mm -hmm. so you want to kind of find people who get it so as a non-drinker I love speaking to other non-drinkers love speaking to people like you and being like oh yeah like you get it it's just a nice like oh okay you too and we can share you know like what's your favorite non-alcoholic beer so I think finding like-minded people and I think even if that's not people who are completely teetotal like joining different clubs that where like the focus isn't drinking like join a running club join just something where like people aren't always talking 24 7 about drinking I think that's kind of important to to find like-minded people I think they're the three biggest things increase pleasure decrease pain find like-minded people I like that what is, what is your favourite non-alcoholic drink? Oh, I've got so many, actually. I, I never really used to like beer um, when I was an actual drinker, um, but now I mm. love non-alcoholic beer. Lucky Saint is one of my favourites. Don't know if you've tried it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Big Lucky Saint fan. I love some of the spirits. I love Caleno. I actually had a dark and spicy today. That was really good. Um, I think there's so many good ones. Naughty in terms of like alcohol-free sparkling wine. I love, I think that's really good. Um, I tried some new wines the other week, Oddbird. They had like a really good red and a really good white. Like I just think they're getting better and better. There's so many good ones now. I think it's actually getting quite difficult to pick a favourite. What's your favourite? So I like Lucky Saint. That's my favourite beer, yeah. I think. Nice. But a random one. And the um, Canelo, the dark and spicy, yeah, I've got yeah. one of that downstairs. 
Nice. So that's good. Um, one that's really random that I found was good was the uh, non-alcoholic red wine from MS. Everyone says this. Is it really like a Merlot, good. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So I had it on New Year's Eve and my wife had some as well. And she was like, this is really good. And because I thought it just tastes like absolute shit because it was yeah. like an own brand MS wine. Really yeah. good. Really, really good. Yeah. It's only like three, three quid or something like that. Yeah, a lot of people say that. I'm actually, I've never really been a wine drinker, so I'm not as invested in the wine category. Like spirits, beers, cocktails are a bit of me, but I, so I rely on other people. I took my friend to the wine event that I went to because I said my wine palette's shocking, and I made him try it, and he was like, oh, "I could drink three bottles of this." So I was like, "Yeah, may, maybe don't." <laughs> and the thing is, as well, is that there is so much variety now, so. I sort of made it my mission to have like every beer that I can ever find and try it. And then I, I should really start like a little diary of, oh, I've tried this one and it was yeah. four, five out of 10, but I just haven't done it yet. You know, we just like, I just yeah. keep buying and drinking them. But yeah, Lucky Saint is the best one, I think. There was another yeah. one that I had. So, you know, there's that off license in London. I think you put it on your. Yeah, the club reels, soda didn't you? Yeah, so I, I went there off the back of your reel because I was like, oh, this is so cool. Uh-huh. And there was a few beers. I think this Hogarden one in the can was really good. I really yeah. like that one. Yeah, but, um, a lot of the German beers, I think, are really good. Yeah, and but that, again, they had so much selection in there. I was like, I could literally be in there all day. There's actually, I'll send you, there's a guy on Instagram who does really good alcohol-free beer reviews. That's like his whole Instagram page. You'll uh, absolutely okay. love it. I'll send it to awesome. you. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool. So in terms of Sober Girls Society, have you got any kind of like plans for the future? And I know you said you didn't want to go into like the whole male area sort of thing, but is there any plans for that? Or is is there going to be a Sober, sober oh, Guys Society? I keep trying to get any male friend that's slightly suggests to me that they might want to stop drinking. I'm like, you need to start Sober Boy Society. I would love someone to start it. If you fancy doing it, let me know. Um, because I, I do think it, it needs to be done, but I think it's just not really like my place to be doing it. And I just, I don't know. I think there's so many resources that we offer. Like I've had so many men that have uh, emailed me and said, look, I know the book's aimed at women, but I read it and I found it really helpful. Like I think there's so much in that book that that can help anyone. And I think the same with our blogs and the same with our resources. I think conversations like this as well, I think there's so much that, that is neutral that people would take away from it. But I just think in terms of like events and meetups, like guy-focused ones, I just feel like it would be weird if I started running like meetups for men and it was just like me and like 10 guys in a pub. Like, I just don't know what that would be like. I mean, you're right. You're, you're nice to talk to. So like, yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be awkward. You'd be like, hey. I'd be like, lads, lads, lads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like... I mean, I I would love something like that because it's I don't know when when I looked at all of like your resources and your Instagram page, I think I was like, oh, this this is like needed. Basically, it, it was like you know when you come across something, you're like, oh my god, why have I not seen this before? There needs to be a sober guy. <laughs> you do it. I'll, I'll start it. It'd just be me. I'll be like, yeah, sober guy society. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on my own. Yeah, just one guy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've, so I've I've got no other questions to ask other than the quickfire round. So, is there any anything that we haven't spoken about that you wanted to speak about? Oh, 
I would just encourage people to like give it a go or even just to get more mindful about your alcohol habits especially if you are suffering with mental health I think it just wasn't really something that I ever kind of questioned could be such a big contributing factor and the difference it has made is incredible so like if you are thinking oh actually maybe my mental health might be might be better just take a period off I always say 90 days I don't think you get the full benefit after a month I think you'll start seeing all the best things now I think after that like three to six months you're like yeah this is really good so yeah I would just encourage people to give it a go really yeah and the thing is it's like at the moment I suppose in lockdown it would have been a bit easier but now I think safe and it's a bit like oh people want to go out again I've hit the worst worst time I don't think there's ever a good time people always say this to me like oh I'll I'll stop after Sunday stag do or I'll stop after that wedding I'm like look you could make any excuse it could be like oh it's summer I don't want to stop in beer garden season and you're like oh it's Christmas like no there's never a good time you just gotta like bite the bullet do it you've brought something up that I didn't think of but have you have you been on any Hindus since you stopped drinking and and what's that like I have it's actually it's actually interesting because it is a whole different vibe I actually went to went to a gin factory on one of the hendos oh okay um so I plotted myself as designated photographer so I went around while everyone was doing their little gin tasting I was like snapping away and that for me was really good because I like kept me busy kept me like I was taking nice pictures, felt like I was doing something nice. And, and then it wasn't kind of like awkward that I wasn't joining in with every round. So like that, that is always a good tip. I think if you're feeling awkward, just become a designated photographer. Um, but they, they are a very strange vibe. But I, I think I've done so many like nights out and stuff now. People are actually genuinely shocked. So I actually went on a Hindu last year. And my friend's sister was like the organizer and I'd never met her sister before. And she'd obviously seen my Instagram and she obviously had some preconception about me. And Emma rang me after the hen and she said, oh, my sister said you were actually really fun. I said, the way you said that makes me sound like she thought I wasn't going to be fun. Like, oh, you were actually really fun. Like, And I, I just get involved with everyone. And then it gets to a point, you know, like maybe two o'clock, people are like talking nonsense. I just go, oh, I'm going home now, guys. Bye. But I I really like them and I'm, I love waking up the next morning and being really smug when everyone's really hungry. I probably shouldn't say that, but I think it, it's part of your bragging rights as a sober person that you can feel smug when everyone else is, is dying. Yeah, which is definitely going to happen on a hen or a stag do. Yeah. I, so I, my brother-in-law's getting married this year and he's having a stag do. And I think it's just like an overnight stay in this country. But I, I, I'm like, do I go? Do I not go? Because... A lot of the people are going to big drinkers yeah. because I've seen that on lots of other occasions. So I'm a bit like, do I go? But I think it's it's one of those things where it's another hurdle where you test yourself. So it's yeah. putting yourself in that situation, seeing if you can cope. And if you get through that, then that's that's basically the worst of it all, isn't it? I think yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think as well, like my advice is to always go, but to always like have plans where you could like dip in and out. So, you know, like maybe everyone's hungover, you take yourself off, go and have like a little breakfast on your own, like a nice coffee, like mellow out. If you're feeling anxious, things like that, like take time for yourself. If you just want to, you know, go to the restaurant and go to the bar, but don't go to the club. Like, I think just be honest and upfront. Like you said, when you own it and you're kind of honest, people really respect that. I think if you just say, look, I really want to be there. Like, you mean a lot to me and I know it's just like, do so I want to come. 
obviously I've stopped drinking lately so I'm going to try and be as much part of it as possible but actually if it gets too much I might just like dodge off home and not tell anyone and and I think most people will be like yeah cool I'd rather have you there for a bit than not at all so my advice is to always like try and go if you can and but just take a lot of time for yourself give your give yourself time to chill out I think especially if it's really booze heavy and that's interesting that you said that because the last episode of this podcast was about boundaries and that's putting boundaries up again of I want to be involved I want to come but yeah it's going to be on my terms so yeah, yeah. That's, links in really nicely yeah. <laughs> there we go <laughs> without, without even meaning to it's amazing yeah. so okay. cats or dogs dogs summer or winter summer texting or talking talking day or night day beach holiday or city break beach holiday a good book or a good film a good book and vinyl or cassette oh vinyl although I have to be honest I have neither yeah they're both making a comeback aren't they I think the only cassette I ever had was Craig David Oh, was it? So I've I've yeah. had one, and it was um, Elvis Presley, Little Less Conversation, <laughs> on, as a single, had, like so random. But yes, that's the only I've ever owned. How funny! <laughs> yeah, so weird. But thank you so much for coming on, and it's been so lovely to chat to you. And like, literally, you've helped me because uh... I'm going through this whole journey like at the very beginning. So to get all of those kind of helpful tips and advice of you has been amazing oh thank you it's been so lovely to speak to you I'm really excited to see the rest of your journey I feel like we should do this again in a year's time and see how you're getting on yeah I'd love to do that that'd be great yeah amazing awesome thank you very much oh thank you speak to you soon speak to you later bye bye Thank you so much to Millie for coming on the stress sessions and chatting about her sober journey. She certainly helped me and I hope she helped out a few of you too who might be on the same journey as I am. What I will say is I am not an expert and the stuff that I talk about on the stress sessions is my own personal opinion and from my own personal journey. So if you are struggling with a mental illness, please, please seek help and go to a professional if you are suffering. There's lots and lots of charities out there and people that can help. And what I've done is popped a link to those in the podcast notes. Thank you so, so much for listening. And there's one thing that I'd like to add this week because this week I reached 10,000 downloads of the stress sessions, which was my goal at the very, very beginning. I basically set myself the goal about 18 months ago of trying to reach 10,000 downloads across however many episodes that I put out there and I finally reached it. So thank you so much to every single person that's downloaded an episode or all of the episodes, shared the stress sessions on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And yeah, thank you so much for your support over the last 18 months because without you guys, I literally could not do this because I need all your support. What I will say is, if you do enjoy the stress sessions or listen to the stress sessions or you've just enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it on any social media 
or download the rest of the series. Tell your mates about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell somebody that these episodes can really help because what I really want to do with these kind of like personal stories is just to help people out and talk about mental illness, talk about their mental health and help out as many people as I can. So thank you so much. Thanks again for listening. And next week I'll be speaking to another amazing guest and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So thanks again and speak to you soon.